invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 96. Psalm 96 can be found in your pew Bibles on page 934. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. Thus far the reading of God's Holy Word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. And to all the little ones sitting in the pews, if you can come up to me after the service and tell me something you remember from the sermon, I have a little special treat for you, okay? So, I have to uh, tell you about uh, this time when we were living in Rensselaer where these people pulled up to our house and they wanted to sell us a vacuum cleaner. And uh, these two people came in, uh, a a gentleman and a woman, and uh, you know how salesmen can be really convincing. You know, oh no, we're not really, well just let us show you, you know, just let us show you uh, the product. And so he brings this vacuum cleaner in and uh, he's got these little tiny uh, white tiles so he can show you all the dirt that he gets out of your floor, Um, how good the vacuum cleaner is. And uh, this is the first time I've ever saw this, um, this uh, sales tactic, but um, um, multiple times during the, uh, the sales pitch, he would act like he's getting on his phone with his boss and say, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we've got somebody here. That, yeah, they, um, I don't know if they're going to buy it at the price we're selling at it now. You know, uh, boss, you think that uh, maybe we can... Uh, you know, bring the price down a little bit. And I ended, I ended up seeing his phone one time, and he wasn't on the phone with anybody. <laughs> uh, so, um, needless to say, we said, that was very kind of you after a one-hour display of how good this vacuum cleaner was and multiple attempts to get us to buy at a lower price that he got cleared by his boss. Uh, we sent them on their way. But every salesperson will tell you that the most important thing about a salesperson has to be 
they believe in the product they're selling. They can't just be doing it for a paycheck. They can't just be doing it because they're trying to get the, uh, the, uh, the money from that sale. They have to believe in what they're selling. And that's always been the hardest part for me when it comes to uh, any time I've been involved in sales because I'm not really uh, all that consumeristic. And so you're trying to convince somebody so badly that they need something that you know deep down they just don't need. And so I decided to become a salesman for the most important thing that I know everybody needs, and that's God. And if I'm going to be a good salesperson when it comes to God, of course I know I'm not selling God. I have to believe in the product. While sales and evangelism are not completely analogous, the most effective witnesses are those who are obviously captivated by the greatness of God and his salvation. And Psalm 96 is a psalm that declares that. Psalm 96 is a psalm that declares the truth, the goodness, the beauty of God on display for all people, all nations. So our theme this morning is sing to the Lord a new song because he is coming to restore justice on earth. Sing to the Lord a new song because he is coming to restore justice on earth. And we have four points this morning. And they break down just like the stanzas in Psalm 96 break down. Verses 1 through 6 is uh, a declaration to Israel. Israel, the people of God, praise the Lord, praise him. And the second point is the nations, verses 7 through 10, nations praise him. And the third point, nature, everything that's created, praise him, right? And the fourth point I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in how Psalm 96 connects to Christ. So everything, praise him, Christ the Lord. So let's look at the first point, Israel, praise him, verses uh, 1 through 6. Now, verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. Although it has often been used um, as an argument in what is called the worship wars about whether we should only sing the Psalter or whether we should sing hymnals and songs that are new and written by people today like Fanny Crosby and like uh, the Gettys and like those people, right? Um, Sing to the Lord a new song is not necessarily talking about whether we should sing only scripture or newly written hymns uh, like, uh, like we have today. Sing to the Lord a new song means sing to the Lord a song expressing anew his wonder and his glory and his majesty. You could sing the same song over and over again. But if something clicks in your heart and your mind about God and you sing that song again, isn't it a new song to you? It has a different meaning. It comes to you differently. You can read the same passage in the Bible over and over again. You could have had to have it memorized back in catechism class back in the day. But as you get older and as you go through different seasons and different hardships in life, you can come back to that passage and you can say, wow, this is like a whole new passage to me. And so this is what the psalmist is doing. It's setting up, it's uh, his, um, 
his declaration to the people of, of God, to Israel, the congregation which is singing this song as it gathers in the temple. These commands, verses 1 through 3, are commands. They're commands given. Remember, I've talked to you a lot about um, the difference between uh, the indicative and the imperative. Well, here, this psalm, Psalm 96, is speaking in the imperative, okay? It's a command to sing a new song to the Lord. It's a command to sing His salvation, proclaim it day after day. And it's a command to declare His glory among the nations. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all peoples. These are commands to the people of God given by the psalmist. This is what you must do. You have to lift your voices in praise to God anew, afresh. You have to proclaim his salvation day after day. God, you have to declare his glory among the nations, among all the peoples. Now, it's one thing for the Bible to say, this is what you must do, right? And that's what Psalm 96 is beginning with. It's one, it's one thing to say, this is what you must do. It's another thing to give us the reasons why we must do what it's commanding us to do. And that's exactly what Psalm 96 does. It gives you the commands, and it gives you the reasons for these commands. So the commands that were given in the first point, the people of God are called to praise the Lord, right? Or sing to Him a new song. Tell of His salvation day after day. And declare His glory and His deeds among the nations. Um, the reason why we are commanded to do this are given in verses 4 through 6. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and glory are in His sanctuary. It's not just anybody that we are called to sing a new song to. And not, it's not just anybody that we are called to proclaim the salvation day after day. It's not just anybody that we are declared the glory and the majesty and the deeds to the nations. It's the God of all heaven and earth. The one true God. And verse 4 tells us, why should you sing to the Lord a new song? For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, even above all gods. Why should you tell of God's salvation day after day after day? For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. And why should you declare his glory among the nations? Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. The psalmist is declaring to the people of God the reason why you should sing to him a new song, the reason why you should tell of his salvation day after day, the reason why you should declare his glory and his deeds among all peoples is because he is the only true God. Above all gods, because all gods, quote unquote, are idols. And I've been reading Isaiah, and Isaiah uh, has these wonderful passages where uh, God seems to 
express mockery about the gods that the people have believed in. And, and there's this one story in Isaiah that's um, a good depiction of this, um, this part in the, in, in this, in the scriptures of, of Isaiah, where God says they are blinded because these people, they will cut down a tree. They will bring that tree home. And they will work hard and sweat carving out of that piece of wood a God of which they can worship. And then they'll say after they're done carving that God, oh, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. And they'll take the wood that they didn't use to make the God and they'll make a fire out of that so they can cook their food. So the same thing they make God out of, they use to cook their food. They're blind. They can't see what they're doing. They don't understand. And it's almost as if God is, is laughing at this. Because it's, it's laughable that you would bow down and you would worship a microwave. The same thing you use to cook your food, you make your gods with. Right? But it's laughable until you realize that the same idolatry that ran through the hearts of the Israelites runs through us. John Calvin said, our hearts are idol factories. They just spit out idols. And sometimes we do worship things like food and money and security. rather than God. So maybe our idols don't look like little wooden things that we bow down to. But they're the same nonetheless. But the psalmist says, don't, don't praise them. Don't praise those idols, those things you look to other than God to find your fulfillment, to find your purpose, to find your identity, to find your meaning. Don't look to those. Sing to the Lord a new song. Don't sing to those a new song. Tell of God's salvation day after day. Why? Because the idols that you believe in, the idols that you cling to, those are created things, but God created all things. God is the creator. This is what the psalmist says, all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. They're in his sanctuary. And as the psalmist declares, pulls on this imagery of, of the temple and, and of worship there in Jerusalem. I should bring to mind these beautiful pictures. Uh, so that's the psalmist talking to Israel and saying, Israel, praise him, right? Um, the second point is nations to praise him, verses 7 through 10. And it follows the same pattern. At first, the commands are given, and then the second, the reasons for these commands. So the psalmist now turns from the people of Israel, whom he said, you must declare to the nations the majesty and the deeds of the Lord, right? And you must sing to the, all the peoples this new song. Now he turns to all the other nations of the world. Um, the Jew-Gentile divide is expressed here in Psalm 96, right? Here's Israel's command, and now we turn to the nations, verse 7. 
Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. So the first commandment is to ascribe to the Lord these things. Glory, strength, and the glory due his name. The second command is bring an offering and come into his courts. And the third command in verse 9, worship the Lord in his holy splendor and tremble before him. So one of the things that is often said about um, Old Testament Israel, about the scriptures of the Old Testament, is that they are exclusive and ethnocentric. That the Lord's people alone were uh, the people of Israel. And it's not until the New Testament where the gospel then goes out to the nations. Um, This is true in one sense, but also in another sense, there is a breaking through of this truth that is to come. Many of the the, uh, prophecies about Jesus say that he's going to be a light to the Gentiles. Um, Those moments in the Old Testament when Rahab, uh, the prostitute, is brought in to the people of God. When Ruth, the Moabitess, is brought in to the people of God. When uh, these uh, moments when foreigners are brought in to the people of God. Um, Psalm 96 points to this as well. Psalm 96 says that it was not Israel's job alone to close themselves off and to isolate themselves from the rest of the world and to not be bearers of good news and bearers of the proclamation of God, the true God. Psalm 96 says, in a sense, no, actually directly, that Israel was to play the part of light, of salt, shining the glory of God to the nations. Verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Well, Psalm 96 also tells us that God is to be understood as not only the God of the nation of Israel. Uh, In the ancient Near East, many people had what would be called national gods. Just like we have national birds. Our bird is the uh, bald eagle. Um, states have birds as well. Um, little nations would have their own gods. And so if you read through the Old Testament, it has all these lists of gods. The god of the Amalekites, the god of, of the Moabites, the god. And there are all these different names. And these little people groups would have their very own god. And this was the god that they believed looked after them. The God that they believed looked after their land and brought the rain and brought the water and the sunshine and brought the, uh, the fields growing and all that. This is their God. And, and many times in Israel's past, when they would begin to blend with the other nations and have this syncretism and they would begin to fall prey to the worldview of the nations around them, they would believe the same thing about Yahweh. They would believe that Yahweh was a national God. Yahweh was only the the God of the people of Israel. Well, Psalm 96 comes in and says, no, I speak directly to all the families of the nations, all the Gentiles, all over the world, and I say that you are commanded to bring and ascribe the Lord glory, strength, and all the glory do his name. You are to bring an offering into his courts. You are to worship the Lord in holy splendor, and you are to tremble before him. God is the God of all the world. 
and you're commanded to worship him. And it is surprising when you learn that moving forward in time and history, when Herod would eventually build his temple in the time of Jesus when he walked this earth, Herod's temple had various courts. And the more you got into the Holy of Holies, the more Jew you had to be. And the further you got out, well, that's where the Gentiles could come and worship. And the further you got out, well, that's where the women could be. You see what I'm saying? Um, So this was a way that people began to look about God, that God was not a God of all the nations, but God was exclusively Israel's God. And that's why we see when Jesus comes, he clears the temple and he says, the Lord's temple is meant to be a prayer house for the nations. And you have made it a den of robbers. You've crowded it with money changers. And you've made it so busy that the people of all the world and the nations cannot come to offer their prayers. You nations, ascribe to the Lord glory, strength, bring an offering into his courts, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, and tremble before him. And the second question we have to ask is, why? Why must the nations do this? Why must they do this? Well, verse 10 tells us, Say among the nations, The Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. So, why should the nations ascribe to the Lord glory and strength? Because he reigns. Because he is king. Why should the nations bring an offering into his courts? Because he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Why should the nations worship the Lord in the holiness of his splendor and tremble before him? Because he will judge the peoples with equity and with justice. You begin to see in Psalm 96 a bigger picture of who God is. What he means to us in our lives. In fact, Psalm 96 does not end there. It does not say, you, the people of God, should worship God because he's worthy of it. It does not say alone that you, all the peoples of the world, should worship God because he is worthy of it. It continues on. It says, you, nature, all creation, should worship God because he's worthy of it. And the commands given to nature in verses 11 and 12 tell us, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. You get the idea that this praise chorus, this praise hymn in the Psalter is meant to be this growing crescendo of all the world being enveloped in the worship of God Almighty. No one is excluded from Psalm 96. This product can sell to anyone because everybody needs it. The world itself 
begins to praise the Lord. And you think of passages in the New Testament where Jesus walks in on the triumphant entry, right? And he's criticized by the Jews because look at all these people. They're worshiping you in a way that's, that's not right. They shouldn't do this. And Jesus says, if they are silent, even the rocks will praise and cry out. You get in this language here in, in Psalm 96 here at the end when, when, when God in the psalm begins to command nature itself to praise and worship him that you think of creation, you think of Genesis 1, you think of that moment and all those days leading up to the creation of mankind made in the image of God where all of creation was obedient to the will of God. The, the oceans were put in place by his command. The land was put in place by his command. All vegetation grew by his command. The fish and all the creatures of the sea were, were created by his command. All the land animals were created by his command. All the stars were put in the sky by his command. And they listened and they obeyed and they were placed exactly where they were meant to be. And then mankind was created and we were told, do this, and we didn't. Well, Psalm 96 is almost like a beckoning, a call back to before the fall. No, no, even greater, a call back to beyond the fall, to redemption, to restoration. That there was one point in which all creation obediently kept these commands of Psalm 96 to praise the Lord and to see him in all his glory and his wonder and his majesty. And Psalm 96 is calling us back back to that world, calling us forward, calling us forward to that world where everything that is created and everything that has breath praises the Lord because he is worthy of it. Why? Why should the heavens be glad? Why should the earth rejoice? Why should the field exalt? Why should the trees of the forest sing? The reasons for these commands are given in verse 13 because the Lord is coming to judge the earth and he will judge with righteousness and he will judge with truth. Verse 13, the crescendo, the ending to this psalm, this psalm hymn, is that God is coming to judge. The declaration and the reason why the people of God should praise the Lord and the declaration and the reason why all the nations of the world should praise the Lord and why all creation should praise the Lord is because he is coming to judge the world in righteousness and holiness. And let me get this straight. Because oftentimes in the context of judgment, we think of um, the punishment um, that is coming, the impending doom that that return uh, brings to mind. Uh, the idea that when, when that day comes, there will be those um, who will be punished for their sins and there will be those who will be saved in Jesus Christ. Um, and those are all true things. But when Psalm 96 talks about 
the goodness of knowing that God is the one who created all things and God is the one who's coming again to judge in righteousness and in truth. What is being thought of here is the restoration, the shalom, the putting right of all things that God's judgment will bring about. Do you know that it's not only a judgment of sinners who will be cast into hell forever that the judgment of God's return brings. It is also the end of all sin and wickedness in this world, brokenness in our own hearts and minds, and the restoration of all things that are beautiful and good in creation, and the ending of all things that are bad and broken. That, that is a reason to sing to the Lord a new song. And the best way, I think, to tie this into how Psalm 96 wraps around Jesus Christ, our Savior, is that it is in the work of Jesus Christ, His life, His death, His resurrection, his ascension, that the bringing back of the Psalm 96 world where all things that breathe and all things that are praise the Lord for who he is, is coming about. Christ brought that kingdom of shalom. Christ is bringing it now through our lives and through what we do and what we say and how we live. Christ is the one who is restoring a Psalm 96 world. A world in which all things acknowledge the glory of God and worship Him because of it. Christ is the one who came and who was judged in our place and who's coming to judge again. And when He comes to judge again, we are to be like those who said at the end of the book of Revelation, without fear or trepidation, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Because in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is the restoration of all things. It is our hope. It is our one lasting treasure to know that no matter what we face or suffer or go through in this life, what awaits us is endless perfection in the presence of our perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's why, ultimately, the Lord that we are called to sing a new song to in Psalm 96 is the Lord, Jesus Christ. In fact, you could say that that new song, the Psalm 96 calls us to sing is the song sung by those who are in glory in Revelation chapter 4. When the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world came up to God who's on his throne and he is the one alone worthy to open that scroll, right? And in Revelation chapter 4, the people there and all the angels and everybody begins to sing 
a new song, a song that says, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And they sang in Revelation 5, worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Sing to the Lord Jesus Christ a new song. Because he is coming to restore justice on earth. Do you know this? Do you believe this? Do you believe it so much that you can sell it to somebody else? That you can tell others because you know deeply in your own heart that the Lord is worthy of worship. He is so full of majesty and glory. Can you say that as a personal testimony? Can you say, I know the Lord Jesus Christ. He is worthy of all my life. And I'm going to sing to him a new song. May you sing that song this week. Amen. We pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this word. May we, Heavenly Father, know the beauty of our Savior Jesus Christ. And may we sing along with those encircled around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and all the church that's now in glory. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. May we sing with them to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praised and honor and glory and power forever and ever. May we sing to you a new song this week and all the weeks ahead, knowing that in Jesus Christ you are coming to judge the living and the dead. You are coming to bring justice and righteousness on this earth. You are coming to restore all that is good and take away all that is evil and broken. And because of that, Lord, we love you. We love you more. More and more. May we sing to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, a new song this week. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.